Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. On Tuesday, it was reported by hospital officials in Moscow that Mikhail Gorbachev, the final leader of the Soviet Communist Party, had died. Russia's central clinical hospital said it had been a serious and protracted disease which led to Gorbachev's death. Current President Vladimir Putin had expressed his deepest condolences. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov told Interfax Agency, adding that he will send a telegram of condolences to his family and friends today. World leaders were quick to pay tribute. European Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen said Gorbachev had opened the way for a free Europe. Uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said Gorbachev was a -a one-of-a-kind statesman who changed the course of history. Uh, Even New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has paid her respects, uh, saying Gorbachev demonstrated the importance of engagement and diplomacy, shown by the role he played in bringing an end to the Cold War, adding that there is no question that he holds an important place in world history. Associate Professor James Headley is from the University of Otago's Department of Politics. His research interests are in Russian foreign policy, the European Union, nationalism, ethnic conflict and international relations theory. To talk to us now about the death of the Soviet leader and the legacy he will leave behind, uh, James joins me now. Kia ora, James, are you there? Kia ora, yeah, yep. Uh, So James, Gorbachev was renowned for bringing an end to the Cold War, um, which was, you know, great news for some, but he, he wasn't able to do this uh, and avoid the collapse of the Soviet Union, which brought about a lot of hardship for a lot of people um, in th- that region. As such, he's a, he's a pretty polarising figure. What legacy does he leave behind in Russia and globally? And is it, yeah, is it largely dependent on who you ask? Uh, probably in Russia, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, as you say, hold him responsible for not keeping together the Soviet Union and Putin, especially, of course, is still trying to kind of reverse that, which is war at the moment in Ukraine. Whereas uh, liberals um, would thank Gorbachev for bringing about the changes that he did uh, during his short time as leader of the Soviet Union and would just regret that that legacy has been kind of overturned by Putin. I think uh, internationally, there's a kind of different perspective, and often there was the joke, even at the time, even when he was in power, that he was very unpopular at home, but very popular abroad. Mm. So internationally, I think there is the idea, um, fairly universal, that uh, Gorbachev was a key figure in um, bringing about what, in, in many ways, was a very rapid change. I mean, when he came to power in 1985, we, we were talking about the Second Cold War, a kind of renewal of tensions, particularly with the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan and kind of build-up of nuclear weapons. Um, and yet, by 1989, we could begin to talk about the end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So, incredibly quick change. And a lot of that was down to the changes Gorbachev made and, and particularly the crucial decisions he made in allowing the Central and East European countries to go their own way. And he, was he quite a was he quite a vocal anti-nuclearist? You know, like can we thank him for the de-escalation of what you know could have become a very hot war? Uh, definitely. I mean, I suppose he grew up with the shadow of uh, nuclear weapons. Would have known about the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, and this was always a kind of major thing on his agenda to try and kind of bring a sense of security and stability to Europe and to de-escalate, both in Europe but also in terms of superpower rivalry. Mm. And I suppose it was fortunate in a way that he also kind of met um, positive responses from uh, leaders elsewhere. But it was definitely something which was uh, a major part of his goal. I mean, he did at one point propose complete 
denuclearization. And it never went quite that far, but um, there was a huge, great reduction in nuclear weapons and, and big breakthroughs in allowing um, inspections, basically, which um, unfortunately looks like that's going to be finishing now. But it was a major breakthrough in, in kind of cementing the deals which were put in place. And I think that's a major part of what he saw as his own legacy and uh, was kind of rewarded, I suppose, with the uh, the award of the Nobel Peace Prize mm-hmm. in 1990. As you say, he was uncharacteristically friendly with Western leaders, um, you know, like, like, like Reagan, uh, even mm. UK Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, uh, who famously said, I like Mr. Gorbachev, we can do business together. Um, and then mm. he went on to develop a friendship with Reagan in, in his later years. Following the Second World War, had the relationship between Russia and the West ever been as close as it was during Gorbachev's presidency? And and has it ever been since? Um, not really before. That's true. I mean, you know, initially with the Second World War, um, you had the kind of um, great power summits. And so there was that kind of relationship. But very quickly, uh, it's had with the start of the Cold War and, and Stalin's uh, repeated purges and so on domestically. So um, subsequent leaders didn't necessarily um, not get on with Western ones. Uh, Khrushchev, I think, quite enjoyed his kind of trips to the UN and things and meeting uh, other leaders and in some ways kind of admired the West. Mm. But certainly um, Gorbachev um, uh, changed the sort of atmosphere of that. And it's interesting that these weren't necessarily... Um, leaders that you would expect a, kind of, a Soviet leader to get on with, Reagan and Thatcher in particular. Mm. Um, but I think they saw the kind of historic opportunity, and, and we can be quite thankful for that. Um, nevertheless, he was still, he believed it was still in the Soviet Union's interest what he was doing, both the domestic reform and the changes internationally. Uh, and he believed that that could also kind of bring um, increased security for everybody. Um, I suppose that's where some Russians would kind of question that and kind of argue now that he sort of sold out Soviet uh, interests uh, to the West. Uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of a it's an argument that it's sometimes easy to kind of sympathise with. I mean, t- I, I I actually just only discovered today that Gorbachev was in. Pizza Hut ads, which oh, yes, which is right. unheard of for any communist leader ever. Um, so he was really he he embraced he embraced you know Western capitalist interests and ideals like like no one had done to that point. Well, he kind of did. I mean, it was an interesting thing that was said. He said himself um, when he, when he was still leader that um, when he wanted to kind of solve a political problem, he'd go back and read Lenin. So he he did still believe in the ideology, and he did believe that the Soviet Union could reform into a more democratic. Um, but still communist or socialist state. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of missed the opportunity. People were so kind of cynical about it then. And, and also you had to, like, um, Czechoslovakia tried this, but then been crushed by the Soviet Union. So they were cynical about this sort of idea. So I wouldn't say that he sort of transformed into a capitalist. Um, he did kind of play up a bit on his legacy. He did kind of speak, speaking tours and so on in, in the U.S. But the pizza, the pizza hut, um, advert in one of them in particular is quite uh, an eye opener. Um, one of my students, because I'm teaching on uh, the kind of legacy of the breakup of the Soviet Union in Yugoslavia at the moment, and one of them dug up that Pizza Hut advert, and it was Gorbachev going into a Pizza Hut, and all these people saying, "Oh, look, it's Gorbachev." 
Well, he's a baddie. Uh, this was in about 97. Um, you know, he led to our economic decline and all of that. And then another one sort of says, well, he allowed us freedoms. <laughs> and then the punchline is, yeah, but we're now allowed to have pizzas, so yeah, you yeah, must yeah. be a good person. The, the, no, the, <laughs> there was an old lady who chimed in and she says, um, Gorbachev did a lot of things, but one thing he did do for us was bring us Pizza Hut. And then the entire <laughs> restaurant just uh, is they cheering. Up and clap. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, you know, and that's a joke and things, but the sort of idea that he kind of did make those changes, but also that he kind of led to a lot of um, suffering in Russia. I think that's um, really going back to that kind of how he'll be perceived mm. in Russia. You asked before about kind of subsequent leaders. I think Yeltsin did have that kind of good relationship for a long time uh, with Clinton, but uh, in some ways it soured. Uh, and even Putin at times had better kind of relationships at certain times. And the hope was after Gorbachev and after the breakup of the Soviet Union that Russia would I mean, this was Yeltsin's aim, was that it would transform into this liberal democratic um, market economy state allied to the West. And, of course, all of that sound, I would say, even before Putin came. And that's partly because of um, some of the challenges that arose with the way that the transition was done and with the actual breakup of the Soviet Union itself. In the final months of Gorbachev's lives, he would have seen quite a pronounced reversal of the peace and multilateralism that he had achieved as a diplomat and you know mm. during his mm. time and I, I guess it's important to mention that russia has never never really been the most peaceful country but but how do you think gorbachev would have reacted to putin's invasion of ukraine and did he ever publicly denounce it um we didn't sort of hear anything i think he was quite cautious about what he could what he said and and people aren't allowed to speak freely about it um, we've sort of heard things indirectly with, um, like for example, a journalist that he spoke to, um, that he, yeah, that he wasn't happy about it. Um, it's a kind of ambivalent attitude. Back in 2014, when Russia annexed Crimea, he did seem to be sympathetic towards that, and even Russian support in eastern Ukraine. And this goes back partly to, partly to the point that he did try to keep the Soviet Union together. He didn't want it to break up, and he saw Ukraine and Russia as in, inherently tied together, wanted them still in the same state. So uh, potentially also the fact that um, probably in Crimea the majority of the population did want to break away from Ukraine and join Russia. So he might have seen that as kind of their democratic choice. But I don't think he would have supported this kind of all-out use of force mm. by Putin, this kind of warmongering. He, as you say, he would have liked more kind of multilateral approach, more peaceful approach. Mm. Um, part of the context, of course, and this is Putin's um, criticism, is that NATO kind of um, took advantage of the Soviet collapse and Soviet weakness to take in new members in Eastern Europe. And that, again, was something that Gorbachev was not supportive of. He he believed that uh, uh, there should be a kind of transformation. NATO was a kind of relic of the Cold War, and so that should be transformed. So again, he's, he was probably sympathetic to that narrative, yeah. but certainly not this kind of all-out invasion of, of um, what he would have regarded as a friendly country, mm -hmm. a sovereign country, really. Um, and also, of course, the implicit nuclear threats, or even virtually explicit, that Putin's been doing, which was totally against uh, Gorbachev's attitude towards nuclear weapons. Mm. 
I, I'm, I'm wondering if they... Did they ever really get along, Gorbachev and Putin? Because, you, you, you know, the collapse of the yeah. Soviet Union meant that they'd lost their status as a world superpower, which is something that Putin has been making it his life's work to reverse. That's right. And I think... Um, no, I think they, they didn't. They weren't um, kind of on the same uh, wavelength about a lot of things. And, and the other thing is that Gorbachev... I mean, he lost his role when the Soviet Union broke up. Broke up. There was no president. He was, he was president of the Soviet Union, and there was no Soviet Union to be president of. He tried kind of political comebacks a bit in the 1990s, but um, was kind of seen as a, as a has-been who had failed. And I think that would be Putin's attitude towards him. And also, I think, as you say, kind of would hold him responsible. The other, the other thing is, although Gorbachev didn't kind of speak openly about the Ukraine invasion, the recent one, and maybe was in some way sympathetic towards at least Crimea and um, the seizure of Crimea. Uh, he was critical of Putin's kind of authoritarianism. Mm. What he did when he was in power was to try and democratize the Soviet Union. And so the idea of having a leader in power for 20 could come up to 30 years. Um, the control of the media, um, the repression of um, anybody who kind of criticizes, all of that kind of went against what Gorbachev um, had mm. kind of um, really implemented as leader of the Soviet Union. So he was a critic of Putin uh, in, in those terms. Well, James, um, we've run out of time, but uh, I, I'd like to thank you so much for imparting your wisdom um, on, on the subject. Um, and, yeah, ho hopefully talk to you soon. Yep, great. Thanks uh, a lot. Uh, it's my pleasure. That was uh, University of Otago Politics uh, Associate Professor James Headley um, talking to us a little bit about um, uh, the recent death of Mikhail Gorbachev uh, and the kind of legacy uh, that Gorbachev uh, will leave behind for Russia. This was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.